Good morning. We're continuing our series in the book of Psalms. And the reason I asked you in the break to remember a time when someone had to apologize to you because what we're going to be talking about this morning is just that, uh, asking forgiveness, forgiveness in general, needing forgiveness. And it's easy to think of the times when someone has apologized to us and maybe the wrong that has been done to us and how we felt about that. It's not usually as easy to think about when we've had to ask for forgiveness and what is necessary. There's a dichotomy that takes place in our own minds when we are hurt by someone, it it touches us deeply. When we hurt someone, it doesn't go as deeply many times. We justify those things or we don't see the pain because we think of ourselves in a different light or, or many times we can And the book of Psalms is broken up into a number of different books, five different books. And as I told you at the beginning, the first book deals with the personal aspects of David. And and the songs that he's singing are specific and personal. And it actually goes up to chapter 41. That's the first book, which makes this even more curious because we're going to be looking at Psalm 51. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you can open it up. If you need a copy, raise your hand and they'll get you one. But this is a psalm of repentance. This is a psalm that they attribute to David after his sin with Bathsheba and killing her husband Uriah. But this doesn't take place in that first book of Psalms. It's actually in the second book, which deals with the community or nationally the the temple and it's so interesting to me that this so personal song takes place in a national form but then really when you think about it when you need mercy it is because of what you have done to someone else And so it is fitting that this personal song would be in the second book that deals more in a community aspect. Because that's really when mercy is needed. That's when forgiveness is needed. That's when we really see how what we've done affects other people. And this kind of song isn't new. Throughout the ages, there's been songs that talk about being sorry. I think every country song has it in it somewhere. I don't know how many people have hurt Taylor Swift, but there's a bunch of them. I wonder, Taylor, maybe it's not them. I, oh, you like Taylor Swift, Adele, whoever, you know. Money is made because people have been hurt or hurt people. The Beatles saying, I'm a loser and I'm not what I appear to be. There's a song by Lincoln Park that said, so let mercy come and wash away what I've done. Imagine Dragon says, all that we breed is greed. This is my kingdom come. This is my kingdom come. There is so many lyrics that are filled with the idea of I've 
done wrong. I need help. Because this is a reoccurring theme in humanity. And, and what I want to do for, for this time here is I, I want you to take and focus on what you've done that has hurt someone or, or even what you have done that you know has been disobedient to God himself. I want you to remember that time. I want you to remember the emotion that was there when you were caught, when you had to come clean, when what you have done was no longer hidden and exposed. That feeling that you have at that moment, this is where this song takes place. And so Psalm 51, verse 1, we'll read through the psalm. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifice of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Father, as we look at this song, Lord, we look into our own hearts, into the hearts of those that we know. Father, this song was born out of necessity for your mercy. And the necessity is here this morning as well. And so, Father, may our hearts be open to hear from you 
and to give to you, Lord, our sacrifice. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we are not strangers to needing help, needing forgiveness. There's an unusual thing that happens. There's a a psychology involved with, with guilt when it weighs on you, when you're hiding something and the threat of being exposed. Maybe you remember when you were a kid and you got that report card and there were no vowels in it. There were no letters below E. And you had to bring it home. And you thought, I can just lose it. I'll hide it. And so you discard the evidence. There, it's gone. I'm going out to play, Mom. See you later. Bye. Everything's great. And then a week goes by and your mom says, Where's your report card? I I got a notice that I was supposed to sign it and turn it back in. You think, oh no. You you were supposed to sign it? I didn't read the fine print. And it hovers over you because now you know that you have to get that report card or she's going to get it and find out about it and the truth will be known. Or, Or maybe you've done something else and... Every time you see that person, you wonder, do they know? Did they get the credit card statement? Or did I get to the mail first? Did did it come out? Is what I've done exposed? And what takes place is as long as there's this secret There is this pressure, this weight that starts to weigh down on you. And what takes place is you start living with a sense of inadequacy. You you start becoming distant in your conversation because you don't want too much to be known. You avoid people or, or friends Depression starts to set in. Anxiety starts to develop. All these things because there is something that you've done wrong and you know it, but you don't want to deal with it. We, we talked about this a little bit on Thursday in dealing with Saul and Samuel. And, and then something else happens when you actually come clean. So many times when I've talked to people and they said, well, you know, this happened and, and it finally came out. And then they actually say, and I actually feel like a burden's been lifted. Even when you've been exposed, you feel better because that secret that was haunting you is gone. And and as David starts off, when he wants mercy, and he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to to your unfailing love. The idea of mercy is, God, don't let me get what I deserve. I know what I've done is wrong. Don't give me what I've done wrong. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash away all 
my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. God, erase the lines, the stain that is on my soul. Get rid of it. Wash that dirt off. You see, because a lot of times what we do is we have the knowledge of what we've done is wrong and we want to get clean, but all we do is put on a new shirt. Have you ever had to do that? You're going out, but you didn't have time to take a shower. So you throw a shirt on and you go out and all of a sudden you're sitting there. Oh, man. I didn't use deodorant. Oh, you look okay, but you're not. There's still dirt there. There's still the odor. And David's saying, Lord, wash it. Get it clean. And what's happening here is there's a recognition, first of all, of what's wrong. Because you cannot move forward until you come clean. In fact, you can't come clean until you come clean. There has to be an admitting of what has happened. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it says, If we confess our sins, the word confess there is to be in agreement. You see, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, and will forgive us our sins and cure us from all unrighteousness. If we claimed we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And so the idea of confession isn't going into a a box and talking through a curtain. The idea of confession is I agree with you with what I've done. You and me are on the same page. There's no hiding it. And so I can't be cleaned until I first come clean and confess and say this is really what happened. There's no justifying. There's no saying, you know, it wasn't that bad. Everybody does it. Hey, it's no big deal. No, this is when you understand it is a big deal. This is when you understand that something has happened that has not only caused a problem with the people around you, but it's caused a problem with you and God. There has to be a confession. And that's exactly what David is doing. He's dealing with this. And he wants to have the evidence of what he's done removed from his soul. And then an interesting thing in verse 4, he says, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And you were right in your verdict in, for judgment. You know, you read that and you think of David and go, well, actually, you killed Uriah. So didn't you sin against Uriah? And you slept with Bathsheba, so didn't you commit adultery with her? How can you just say, against you and you only have I sinned? But remember what Jesus said. Whatever you do to the least of these you do to me whatever you don't do to the least of these if you don't show compassion you don't show compassion to me and so it's not that David is saying well I don't have to worry about them it's everyone is connected to God you see what you do to people you do to God 
And our sins aren't just dealing with ourselves. They're dealing with our relationship with others, which deals with our relationship with God. We can't separate these things. But what happens is like, oh, I've just hurt someone. No, you've done much more than that. Not only have you hurt this person, you've hurt God. And so the idea isn't it's less than, it's actually more than. He's not saying, well, I didn't hurt anyone else. I just sinned against God. No, he knows he sinned against them, but he's saying it's more than that. It's against God. In fact, first it's against God. And God's judgments for what I've done are just. I I deserve punishment. That's why I'm asking for mercy. Because I know what I've done. And, And what's happening here is David is painting the picture of humanity the picture of us in our relationships with one another and with our relationship with god jesus was constantly saying if you don't forgive men their sins god isn't going to forgive you yours how you treat others is how you treat me we are in this together And you might think, well, that person deserved it. Well, did God deserve it because you sinned against God? Well, God doesn't deserve it. Well, that's where we're getting at here. You can't justify it by saying this person, you know, they deserved it or, you know, this happened and it's okay. It's not going to hurt them. It matters. It hurts God. And against him, you've sinned. And so it goes to the root of the matter. What's really taking place here is he's showing the ownership of what he's done and recognizing that it's deeper than he thought. It's actually more devastating than what he thought. It's not a disconnection to others. This is a connection of others to God. And it's an awareness of that. And in verse 5, he says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness. And this translation says, even in the womb, most translations will say, in the inner parts. You desire truth within the inner parts. And they have a difficult time translating this Clearly, and so what they're trying to present here is that even though I am broken from birth, even though I am self-centered and I have this Adamic nature that is fallen, that is wounded, I still have an understanding of what is true and what is right. You see, I can't just say, well, I was born a sinner and that's how it is. We're all sinners. Well, even though I am born under this broken, fallen world, for some reason I still have this understanding and awareness of what is true. Everyone does. That's why we try and cover things. It's amazing when you look at Some of the crime shows, if you're into those, you know, these things where it's terrible. My wife just, you know, tells me every now and then, listen, if you're going to do something wrong, just leave. You don't have to kill me, okay? Let me and the kids live. Just go on with your life, okay? 
And I'm like, why, hun? What? It just that's what happens when you watch all these shows. You know, evidence comes. These people find out. You know, something's done. And, and when they try and cover up, they try and plead insanity or something. But you always see these people who, even though they act crazy, they're trying to hide what they've done. Why would you try and hide what you're doing if you don't care or if you don't think it's wrong? Why did you throw the knife? into the neighbor's trash can or into the sewer system? Why did you get rid of that device that killed your family if you didn't care? No, there's always this trying to cover up these things. Why? Because within you and within me, there is the awareness of what is right. Oh, we numb it. We, we put Novocaine into our systems. It might be with alcohol. It might be with drugs. It might be with some other thing that we use to, to kind of just cloud our minds and our judgments. We, we give in to these things because that's what we want. But there is an understanding that we all have that knows what is right and knows what is wrong and still chooses what is wrong. And what God wants is that part that knows to be truthful with the part that does. So that who I am is really who I am. And it's not just a facade. I was talking with a friend yesterday, and he says, you know what I hate about church? No one's bummed out. No one's like, man, I'm going through it. Everyone puts on this brave face, and it was kind of funny. It's like, wouldn't you think, you know, what do you not like about church? I don't like it that people aren't honest. I know no, everyone's not having a good day. I wish they'd just be honest. And I just thought that was kind of funny because I know I go through things, and I know you go through things, but we all put on the clean shirt. And what God wants is the shirt you're wearing to be the actual shirt that's who you are. And what he wants us to do is see the reality of where we are. And so what God desires is truth from the inward parts. There, there is no loophole. There is no getting out of it. There is no playing it. God wants the real you. And if the real you isn't the you that's showing up, then something needs to change so that it becomes the same. So that we become genuine. What's the biggest complaint people have about Christians? Hypocrites. My, my kids grew up in church. And, and so they got to see a lot of behind the scenes things. And I can remember them coming up to me and saying, this person isn't the real deal. And they saw things that I didn't even see. And I say, oh, don't, you know, hey, you've got to be respectful. You know, these people are over you and this. So just kind of, and I was going on with the mantra, but really what they were saying was more legitimate. And as time went on, it was like, oh, look at what they really are. And then I find out my kids really saw 
the truth. They saw the inward parts. They saw the, the way they were manipulating situations for their own benefit. And it happens all the time. It doesn't matter if you call yourself Christian. It matters who you are and if you have relationship with Jesus and if he is at work in the inward parts. And if the inward parts is showing up on the outward. I get so frustrated when I see how, quote, Christians treat waitresses or people that serve them when they expect them to cater to their every need and are rude to them. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is a human being. It's okay for you to act like that to another person and call yourself a follower of Jesus? It bothers me. To think that you are owed something from another human... I know it's their job to fill your coffee up, and you can ask them, but you don't have to think you're king or something. Servant, where is my coffee? It is cold. No tip for you. On with you. It's... Really? Who are you? Really? And don't you want to be whole? Don't you want to be genuine? Don't you want the inside to match the outside? And not like, so deal with all the junk in me. It's like, don't you want the junk in you gone and it to be clean? That's where David is pushing us. And he says, seven, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. This is a ceremonial cleansing. God, if you do the cleansing, it will stick. If I try and make myself better, it doesn't, I'm just throwing the clean clothes on the dirty body. But Lord, you can wash me and make me whiter than snow. You can transform me. And he says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. Have have you ever been in that place where you've done something wrong and you've hurt someone tremendously and your relationship with them is just devastated? And every time you see them, you have the guilt of what you've done and you just long for the day when you can just talk with them and for there to be the restoration, when you can actually laugh with them again, when you can actually get a hug again and it be... I really do still care and I still love you. And it starts to mend and you start to feel the healing. Oh, I just want to be able to have joy again. I'm just living in this place. And David understands that. And he's like, I need to sing again. I need a song of joy. My bones have been crushed by the truth of what I've done. But don't leave me here. And you see, this is the great news. This is what makes Jesus so real to me. Is I know what I need. I know that I need forgiveness. I know that I have hurt people. I know my own nature. And and what I need isn't 
to do 10 of these prayers and face this direction and do this. What I need is to be changed on the inside. What I need is help with who I am. The difference between Jesus and every other faith is that Jesus came and dealt with who I am. Jesus is willing to take the stain on himself so that I can be clean. He doesn't brush it aside. He doesn't say, do enough of this, and then I'll forgive you. He says, no, I'll deal with the real you. All the junk. I'm not going to ignore it. I'll deal with it. I'll take it. So that we can have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. We now have the ability to come back into his presence. Hebrews chapter 4, 16 says, Therefore, let us enter with confidence the throne of grace. How can I enter into the throne of grace with confidence? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you understand the shortcomings in my life? Don't you see what is happening? Of course God does. He's restoring you. He's cleansing you. He says in verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God. You see, I don't need just to be forgiven. I I need to be made new. I, I don't want to just do things different or be a better person. I need to be a new person, and, and I can't do what is necessary to make me new. I need someone else to do that. And so create in me a pure heart, O oh God. But God won't create a pure heart in you if you don't want a pure heart. And and what's amazing in this passage is what we see and why we see David being a man after God's own heart because David owns what he does and he says, I don't want to be this man. Oh God, clean me and make me someone else. And God says, okay, I can do that. It's real important that we recognize that unless you want the clean heart, unless you want God to create a new person, unless that's really your desire, it's not going to happen. God will create a new heart if you really want one. But if you still want that old heart, if you still want to do the things, but you just want to be clean, then what's going to be is just you putting on that shirt and you're still going to be you. Because God is wanting the truth in the inward parts. He's wanting to create a clean heart in you. 
He says, don't cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit. Then, verse 13, I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. A sign of change and a sign of maturity is that there is now a concern for others. It's not just about you. Now you want to say, God, what you've done for me, I want to do for other people. I know other people who are in the same boat as me who need the same forgiveness as I do, and I will use my life to be an example to help them get out of where they're at to where they need to be. You see, a sign of maturity in those who follow Christ is there is concern for others. There is generosity towards others. There is giving. You will never see a person grow in maturity who does not grow in love for other people. You can't do it. And so I don't care how many scriptures you memorize. I want to see the love of God increase in your life. I want to see concern for others increase in your life. That's a sign of maturity. Don't quote me the Bible verses without living these things. Be real. Let the inside match the outside so that people will look at you and see Jesus, not just hear you talk about him. And you see, God shows up in our weakness. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul did not deny what he has done. And his bringing judgment to the church, persecution to those who follow Christ. He, he can't hide that, but he knew the truth of what he had become and people could see that. If you are the real thing, people will see the truth in you. And that means being honest with the weaknesses that are in you. Because I don't want to hear a, a false Message. I don't want to hear someone talk about how great they are when I know different. I don't want to hear a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to strive so that the inside of what I want matches the outside of who I am. I want to be genuine. I want truth in the inward parts. I want God to create a clean heart in me. So that what he loves, what he cares about, what he wants is what I love, is what I care about, is what I want. And if those two aren't matching, then guess what? I need to call it like it is. God, I really don't like this person and I know I should. Help me. Because they bug me. And I want to slash their tires, but I'm not. And I want to punch them, but I'm not. Am I going too far? (laughs) Because God, I want to be like you are. And so he goes on and he tells them, you do not delight in sacrifice or I'd bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. What do you want, God? What do you want? If you don't want the offering, what do you want? He wants the sacrifice of a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. I've shared this before. God wants you to be broken and humble. You see, when you lower yourself, you place your heart above your head. I want you, God, 
to be more important than the things I want. Now, understand this. God doesn't want sacrifices because that's not going to be enough. He wants you to be broken. And guess what? He will take care of the sacrifice. And so to get you to where he needs to be, it's going to cost more than just your broken heart. It's going to cost his blood. Do you see how important this is? God isn't just trying to make you a better person. He gave his life so that you could be with him. And what he's wanting is to give you his mercy, his forgiveness, and he will pay the price of his life so that you can be there. What do you have to give? A broken heart, a contrite spirit. That's what you give, and he will shed his blood so that you can be with him. You see, grace is free, but it's never cheap. And it's going to cost more than just your being sorry to be forgiven. It's going to cost the blood of Jesus. And God says, I'll do it. I'll do it. I will give my life for you so that your brokenness can be healed. Will you admit you're broken? Will you confess what's going on in you so that you can be cleansed. Will you ask that I create a clean heart because I can do it. I've done what is necessary. Will you do what is necessary? And so repentance and mercy is what we all need. Forgiveness is what God has made available to get from where we are to where he is, this psalm is what we need. Confession. Honesty. Truth with who we are and what God wants of us. Because he doesn't want a sacrifice. He'll take care of the sacrifice. He did. He wants a broken heart. He wants a contrite spirit that says, I need help. And I don't know about you, but I've been in that place more times than I care to remember. I, I've been in that place with my kids. I've been in that place with my friends. I've been in that place with my wife. I've been in that place with God where I just need more help than I can muster up myself. And I don't want to play a game. I don't want to pretend I'm okay and everything's okay. I, I, I want to be legit. I want to be real. I want to be genuine. And sometimes I just have to go to God and say, man, I kind of stink right now. I know I got this shirt on, but man, it's ripe underneath. Yeah, you have to wash me. I don't want to be this person anymore. The amazing thing is when you find yourself actually wanting to be someone else. When all of a sudden, those things that used to pull you down and you say, I don't want to be that anymore. I, I don't want that anymore. 
What's going on? He's creating a clean heart in you. All of a sudden, what I desire changes. All of a sudden, the things that I do that hurt others actually hurt me. All of a sudden, I start wanting to be different. To me, that's the miracle. I can remember times when all of a sudden I became aware, oh my gosh, do I really care? That sounds so weird, huh? I really care. (laughs) Otherwise, I didn't care, but all of a sudden I do. Because there's something changing within me. And as he goes on, he says, may it please you to prosper Zion. You see, when God heals you, he heals those around you. Then the sacrifices of the nation will be lifted up, but God has to do a work in you individually before he can do it in a community. Even though this psalm is personal, this psalm is meant to be sung in a community. That's why it's in the second book, and that's why we see David connecting it to those around him. You see, forgiveness takes place in the community. Forgiveness takes place because we hurt one another. Forgiveness takes place because we have to deal with each other. And for us to be a healthy community, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to admit we need forgiveness, that we've done wrong. We desire God's mercy and we're true to who we are and to what he wants. And when we do that, we'll see God's healing and restoration and we'll see that he creates in us a different heart. Do you want a different heart? Do you want a clean heart? Do you want to care about the things that God cares about? Or are you fine just like you are? Because he'll let you stay like you are. But if you want to be clean, he has gone to the extreme lengths so that you can be. He's given his life. Let's not waste that. Let's pray. Father, so many times the idea of our sin and changing, stopping our actions and Christianity is kind of known for the the do's and do not list. But Lord, what you care about is truth in the inward parts. What you care about, God, is us being honest and broken with our needs. God, there isn't enough good I can do to change who I am. And so I come before you as I am, not trying to hide it, not trying to justify it, but agreeing with you with all that is there. And then asking you for your mercy, your forgiveness, and for you to do in me what I cannot do myself. That you could actually change my heart. Give me a heart of flesh. 
so that I would love like you love, that I would care like you care. Lord, I pray that you would do this work within me, within us. Lord, that we wouldn't be phony, that we would be honest. Lord, this is a room filled with dysfunctional, hurting people. Lord, I know some of the things that are going on. I don't know others, and I don't need to know any more. I know what's going on in my own life to know enough that I need your help, that I need to bridge that gap between who I really am and who I want to be. And Jesus, you have come down. You have given your life so that that gap can be filled. So Lord, create a clean heart in me. Renew a right spirit in me. May I be steadfast pursuing your truth. May I be genuine before you and before people. Lord, cleanse us, we pray. In Jesus' name.